podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Well, hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton and uh, it's a sad night. And um, that's all I can say. Um, very tempting to not do a podcast about it, but here we are, heroically. Alan Algo has joined me. Uh, hi, Alan. Hey there, boys. I've been better. I've been better. Like, likewise. Yeah. Um, Josh is heroically uh, in Newcastle. Um, he must be, uh, that must be painful. Uh, um, so, I mean, what can we say? It's literally um, seven minutes after the game pretty much finished. I mean, we uh, to to concede the first goal, Alan, from a foul throw feels very, very Arsenal to me. Um, apart from the absolute diabolical nature of the whole performance from start to finish, that moment. I mean, I, also, was it a foul throw? Yeah, it okay. was a foul throw. Um I've been arguing this out with people on my timeline. Um, I know perception is a big thing on social media, and maybe I personally have given off the wrong signals down the years, but uh, whenever I've argued with people on that, I mean, I've always been polite on social and uh, try to be factual or back up anything that I say with facts, but Look, I've been talking about these foul throws for years. This because is true. to me, it has a deep evidence of cult of the, the culture at the club that if you can have Bakary Sanya doing foul throws in important games well over ten years ago and you still haven't sorted that out, and then you get Bellerin doing six or seven in his career, and you still haven't sorted that out, uh, eventually it will come back and bite you. And it has done tonight. A very basic element of the game that you ask kids to get right when they play football has been failed by a professional organisation that are worth millions. And I know that we, obviously, now that I've joined you in club level, spend a good sum into those coffers. So the, 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 the minimum thing you can do, and there's something I could coach, I could give up 10 minutes of my time, drive five minutes up the road to Colney and teach them how to do a, a throw. So for something like that, an absolute basic to be our hindrance tonight is is pretty much unforgivable for a multi-million pound organisation. So even if you just want to isolate that one instant, you can talk for an hour on that and say, yeah. about the whys and wherefores of, of how a professional footballer is making that mistake. And the people arguing back are making one valid point. And the one valid point is that in the last two seasons – the referees and linesmen in the Premier League have slightly relaxed the thresholds on feet being high, ball being dropped down, or the ball not going all the way back uh, before you start your movement to make the throw. So 
that's that's a fair point to make. It has been slightly re- relaxed recently. But if you do it five times in a game, and we did tonight, one of those is going to pull you up. Um, I mean... So you noticed you noticed the foul throws before the one that was given? We, we did five tonight. And incidentally, Newcastle did one in exactly the same position. The guy lifted his foot as he took it. And, it, and weirdly, the camera angle was a low camera angle actually behind his foot, so you could tell how mm. blatant that one was. Um, but we were dropping the ball down all all through the game. Tommy Asu did two or three in the first 20 minutes. But the threshold has changed. I give people that. The threshold has changed. Yeah. I guess refs have been told, look, unless, it, unless it's blatant, keep the game flowing. Mm. But eventually you're going to get called. Um, it, you know, this is why Bellerin turned around and says, I've done that all my life. When he got pulled up on his one that we talked about on a, a podcast last season, he, he, you know, you act because there were no fans in the stadium and you could hear what all the players were saying during COVID, Bellerin says it to the, the, to the referee. I've done that all my life. Well, yeah, you have, but you know, when it's blatant, it, you'll, you'll get called out on it. So let's just, let's just try and do it properly. Because as I said, it's something I could go up there and coach them in 10 minutes. What's yeah. the point of having, you know, so much about sport these days is about those marginal gains or those small moments. But if you get all of those right, then at least you won't be in a situation where we're sitting here talking about a foul throw for the first five minutes of a podcast. So yeah. I'll shut up about that because there are many, many more things we could talk about. Gotcha. Yeah. Um one of which is um as well that you know we looked incredibly nervous i thought from the start um and we didn't have any kind of control of this game like for any period at all it was quite extraordinary um and i think really it's one of our worst performances for quite a long time um yeah and, i agree yeah, with that yeah and I'm not going to blame, and, and I think Arteta doesn't help. Like, I think, you know, like, as it wore on, the substitutions, you know, the kind of slightly, des- we're ending up with, like, about, you know, five forwards on the pitch. Yeah. Taking all the defenders off. It all feels a bit desperate, and I think it, and um, panicky. And I know when you're one, when we were one nil down, obviously, you know, with, with what, 20 minutes to go, you are desperate, and you are panicking a little bit, but I don't feel like he adds to the level of to the to, to the likelihood that we're going to have enough composure to actually score a goal when he makes those substitutions and kind of completely allows a kind of hectic helter skelter, totally open game, which in the end, you know, Newcastle could have won three four nil. Do you know what I mean? So I felt like the whole I felt like the whole tone emanated a bit from him through to the players, and it was just a disaster. No, I agree. Um... I'm not a fan of his micromanagement. Again, as I've as I've said, if your team are performing in the kind of games that we've had to perform in the next, the last, sorry, the last two games, um, they'll be naturally nervous because they're a young team. And I think what you need in that instance is if you haven't got it on the pitch with you, and we haven't really, to be honest, we haven't really got many leaders out there it at least needs to be on the sidelines in terms of a very focused, calm um, calm manager that's putting instruction onto the pitch in a calm way 
that allows players to get over that first 10 minutes of jitters that even quite experienced and old players have uh, when when there's so much at stake. And I don't think we've done that. And I don't think Arteta has managed to get that onto the pitch. The second thing you have to do is if that seeps into the next 10 minutes of the game, which, you know, is, is approaching a quarter of the game, you get some instruction onto the pitch to say, from our restarts, can we not be so gung-ho with the ball? Can we just look after it a little bit? Can we mm. can we make sure that we're looking after the ball? And even right up to about the 30th minute, when the possession stats were way against us, you had Ramsdale pinging long balls to Enketia, who I actually felt sorry for tonight. I'm sure we're going to come on to yeah. the merits of whether or not we should have someone like him starting for us. But I felt sorry for him tonight because a lot of the balls that were pinged up to him should have been retention of possession balls that that, that were short. And we played long, surrendered possession and couldn't get a foothold in the game. And we need to be a possession-based team. It's what Arteta has wanted from us ever since he tried to take that pep philosophy from Man City, albeit with much weaker players that, that aren't worth hundreds of millions, but something that we're trying to do as a team is to, is to look after the ball. We didn't look after the ball tonight. So that's going to, that's going to heat more, that's going to heat problems on you as well. Mm. And it is going to lead to the kind of statement that you've made that that's one of our worst performances of the season, if not the worst. Mm. I feel like, I, I feel sorry for, for the younger players, particularly, um, because I look at Jacques and Elneny, for example, and they were terrible today, weren't they? I mean, they, I thought, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely awful. Um, and um, I think to the Spurs game, and I, I thought this before the game kicked off. I said this to a friend of mine that it's going to be really hard for them to recover psychologically from that Spurs game because we did start really well in that game, right? We 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 actually. We managed to play possession of football against Spurs really well for about 15 minutes. And then the whole situation with the penalty and the sending off, etc. I think they must be... And again, I'm not sure if Arteta helps with his, you know, I'll get six... I'll be banned for six months if I say what I think. Rant situation. Um and I just feel like they, you know, I feel they must think. Well, when we did have have composure, and we we played we played quite well. It was a complete disaster anyway. And there's no, do you remember that sense of injustice almost seemed to have turned them in, turned made them even nervier and less composed than we've been for ages and ages and ages. And yeah. I know you, yeah, go on. I'm, I'm sure that we can we can look back in the the great history of this club <laughs> yeah. and say that there are certain players, and they'll they'll trip off the tongue very easy, there are certain players that would have taken the perceived injustices of the Tottenham game, or just the fact that we lost that game, and made sure that they regulated amongst themselves that there was an attitude going into the next game that they would perform, they would use that anger for good, yeah. and they've managed to channel it in such a way that it didn't look like panic. It looked like properly focused aggression and determination to to win a football match. Um, I think the squad that we've got at the moment 
And again, we'll make excuses on the fact that most of them are young, but they, they don't have that. So that aggression can almost turn into nerves. And because of that, you've got uh, a really difficult situation uh, because it almost it's going to manifest itself in in this kind of defeat yeah and this kind of performance i have to I have to announce that we've got a special surprise guest live from it looks, looks like, like he's actually walking over the famous time bridge as well yeah it looked like from live from newcastle josh josh psychic josh is with us hi josh can you hear us i can hear you i am indeed walking over uh, back to the hotel um benji peters and Ari last two friends of the podcast are about 10 metres in front, I've held back so I can speak to you, joining the sorrow that I I suspect you two have been digesting. Uh, I was pathetic tonight, wasn't it, really? Didn't really. At no point tonight did you start thinking, we are going to do this. It was, uh, yeah, so deflating, incredibly deflated. What have they made of it on TV then? Um, On TV, uh, yeah, I mean, they were like, I just, you know, kind of surprised that, I mean, um, surprised that we couldn't, we were so terrible, basically. Gary Neville kind of gave us the benefit of the doubt at halftime and said, look, he never expected us to come out and, you know, take charge of this game and play free-throwing attacking football after the Spurs game. And it was always going to be keep it tight and, you know. But at the end, he was like, what the fuck was I thinking? They were just terrible. And uh, Jamie Carragher was like, you know, he, Jamie Carragher, he, he, he's right. He has been quite, you know, he's kind of been very positive. Us. He basically said before the game, he wanted us to finish fourth for the young players. And he's, you know, he's gutted um, that we didn't make it. Not as gutted as we are. Absolutely devastating, Josh. It must be, to, to watch that, that, me and Alan were saying it's one of the worst performances of the season. I think it is. And I've been to quite a lot of the away games this season. I think back to, yeah, when we got that victory at Wolves, I think it was February and we went to Villa. And we won. And you just started to think, and obviously Chelsea, even last month, I think turned a lot of us into thinking that, you know, from we were out of it, we were in it. I'm not sure. I mean, Crystal Palace away comes to mind in terms of horrendous away performance. But I think that was up there tonight, wasn't it? There was, I'm not sure there's a single player who would have been a 7 out of 10. I can't think of one. I don't know if I'm being a bit emotional sort of walking away from the stadium, but I, I can't think of one. And then, I think Arteta also didn't get it right tonight. I thought Eddie no. Howe had him well beaten tactically for pretty much the whole game. And then I couldn't really understand Tavares being subbed. I don't know if you've already discussed it, but there was a sort of, we actually looked like they were making opportunities down the left-hand side and then, you know, started moving Martinelli uh, and Tavares from what looked like our best opportunity of scoring down that left-hand side. And Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we go out with a damn squib and to not even take a point and make Chelsea... And make Tottenham go to Norwich and at least win the game. Yeah. It's so deflating. And uh, yeah, I'm thinking of trips to Ludogorets and Ostersons having yeah. this morning or lunchtime when we came up on the train, we were talking about how nice it would be to go to Real Madrid and oh. Paris Saint Germain. We are wondering about which niche nations have got teams in the Europa League. Uh, I'm gutted. Totally, totally gutted. I'd, I'd really thought a couple of weeks ago we would do enough in these final games but it was flat and actually the away end was flat you know as soon as we went one nil down there wasn't really much being on the pitch to give the away fans much to to cheer about and uh, yeah the highlight of the evening was being given a little token by Arsenal on the way in which was a a free drink token which felt like just reward for climbing those stairs at St James's Park but that was where it peaked sadly 
Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I mean, Alan, just just before Alan comes in, I want to ask you one thing, which is that on 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 the they were talking about the atmosphere and the atmosphere in the Spurs game, you know, was absolutely incredible that, you know, that, that it was very intimidating. They managed to make it red. And this looked kind of similar, you know, more celebrated, but also very intimidating. And they were saying, you know, is it a case of the players can't cope with this level of pressure? You know, they kind of wilt under the pressure of, of having, you know, two, four, four fifths of the crowd against them and shouting and, you know, I don't know. The atmosphere, 10 minutes, like seven fifty. somehow that stadium was, incredibly noisy. They had flags for everyone on the seat. They got their anthem as they came out. It actually, obviously, we'd be, we were talking also on the train on the way up about the new anthem Arsenal have got, but how not like that the Emirates actually is if we, if we really truly analyse it in terms of creating that crescendo of noise and build up a, to a game. We don't really have that at the Emirates. Maybe it will change with, with the anthem that was played ahead of a Leeds game. But yeah, when, the, when they came out, there was a hell of a noise from the Newcastle fans. And it, it's like still that away ground where, you know, uh, the uh, away fans are up. You're up in the gods. You don't really connect with the, with the players. They can't come over to you. You're not on the ground level. You yeah. feel a bit distant from it, and, and the atmosphere feels totally against you. And yeah, look, this is a very young side. I don't know. Maybe maybe in time, a chance to be a bit philosophical and go, would we have taken fifth before the season? You probably would. It's, you know, it's progress eight to fifth. Yeah. Do you look at that team out there tonight and go? Do these players really look like a Champions League team? Do that, do that you know, do you think you're going to do anything in the Champions League with that players? Maybe, maybe not. It's just for getting ourselves in the position we got ourselves into. And then, you know, you think, had you gone to Newcastle away in the first three, four months of the season, you're almost facing a, a different club, a different team. And you feel you might go and win a, win a game in a way that now, Newcastle form-wise, I think since sort of January, are probably top six, top seven, I read earlier. So... It's tough, but uh, it's it's tough and it, it's sad. Yeah, yeah. Alan, do you think um, you know that's true, isn't it? That you know we would have we would have probably settled for fifth if we'd said that beginning of the season. No one really, no one thought we'd come in the top four at all. I don't think any many fans or pundits thought we'd would get anywhere near the top four. So, you know, should we at least take some I don't know, some solace at, the, at this point from the fact that we've got fifth? We should. I mean, it's very, it's very raw at the moment. You know, the, the final whistle only blew half hour ago. But I think sometimes you can look at the order of results and then start to maybe paint a slightly different picture. And I think Josh is right in that if you suddenly put this Newcastle game somewhere else in the in the season and uh, mix about the 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 way that we've had some good results, you know, the, the Chelsea away game, uh, the Tottenham home game, the, the United home game. Um, it just depends on the order of, of, of those results. And unfortunately, expectation shifted because of the order of the results. And I've said all along, whenever, whenever I've been on, on this podcast this season, I've said that, um, qualifying for the Europa League, so a top six finish with very much evident progression on the pitch while bringing through youngsters is the target for the season. But we did, to to bring sort of my industry into it, we did trade odds on 
them quite heavily odds on to get top four. So those percentage chances did change. And when they changed, the opportunity was there to take advantage of those um, underperformances from the likes of West Ham, who ran out of steam because of the Europa League, uh, Manchester United being a poor version of themselves this season, and the fact that Tottenham started poorly under a manager that, that didn't suit them, and because we should have had that head start on them, and we did have that head start on them, and their change of manager is probably what we'll take away from this when the dust settles on a bad performance tonight. Their change of manager is what's got them over the line into fourth position after a season in which, uh, during the vast majority of it, it looked as if we'd easily come above them. Mm. They, uh, they also bought some good players in January as well, didn't they? I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. And, and, and we didn't yeah. <laughs> you know we, yeah. we exactly we decided to weaken the squad yeah i still think the obama yang debate is a moot point because sure. yeah. uh, i i really don't think he'd have performed for us anyway if we'd have kept him so uh you know i i i can't see how keeping him changes anything other than maybe doing it tonight with an obama yang sulk on the pitch rather than <laughs> an inketia poor performance sure. uh, I still think the end result would have been the same but we can't replay that bit of history there's a we lot need... I want to replay there's a lot of bits of history I want to replay well, yes, but course. yeah like for example J- Josh Josh is oh Josh has arrived I think in, in, you're in your hotel Josh I am I'm uh, in the Hilton Newcastle I've, nice I think I'm I think I'm where they serve breakfast I don't know won't be having breakfast here tomorrow but I found somewhere quiet to, uh, to come speak to I mean do you know what also I was thinking I mean, I know you're very involved in the Amazon documentary, Boyd. I know that they've taken you to watch Arsenal games in, in boxes. You're a well, you know, close, close friend. I'm thinking about the heartache of having to watch this oh film and knowing the ending. Because we'll have to watch it because I want I to watch it. And it's going to end in this and this defeat at Tottenham on Thursday and this defeat yeah. at Newcastle. Um it's yeah, heartbreaking. But then I just I just think about Boyd. Like, obviously, I mentioned I've been on. To, to, we've... We've had it in the grasp of our hands, and I think, sadly, this dictates the next couple of years of the of the mm. of the club, doesn't it? And um, we always knew not having European football in this season, and in a season that began with, you know, uh, queries about how COVID could impact the season, which it, it did in the first half of the season. That you know, we were the ones that called off the game at, at Spurs and and everything like that. To have had the opportunity, when, yeah, to when just Son had, when Son was injured, remember. We've had 38 league games. We went out of the FA Cup straight away. We did okay in the Carabao. But we've had one game a week to get it right. And we we just, we looked out of energy tonight. We 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 looked like we, some like a marathon runner who has got to mile 23, 24 and just can't get over the line, just cannot find it in their legs to just stumble across and finish and and we are we're, we're going to fall desperately short um you know of what we what we need to do alan's probably already said what the odds are of a norwich win and an arsenal win have you Actually, done that we, out? we haven't touched on that yet no what must it be uh, 12 to 1 it, yeah, i mean we will we'll be odds on we'll be about 2 to 1 on even though that looks absurd uh, absurd <laughs> our current a current form, just the fact we need to win. And what a Norwich to beat Spurs. 
Norwich will be about 20 to 1. No, not that high, yeah. surely. Yeah, they will. They will be about 20 to 1. Right. Um, I haven't looked yet, but um, I've got it here. Hold on. Yeah, I was trying to work out what what the chances are on Sunday. Because that was the thing. If we'd have got a draw tonight, you Arsenal got ahead and you know you're putting the pressure on, but we're not yeah. we're not even in that Gary, position. We need No, I've I've, I've I've overcooked the percentage a little bit there. They're uh, around twelve, thirteen to one. But Okay. Fine. But still still worth a bet. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? Oh, I know. Gary Neville made the point tonight, which I thought was a good one, that forget even that Spurs only need to get a point. Right, but Arsenal, Arsenal, would, Everton, either will need to win to stay up, or they'll be safe, and then they can relax. We're the ones who are going to be shitting ourselves again. No, no, that's game. that's that's exactly why we're we're two to one on. I can't really see how you would back us at two to one on because yeah. Everton. I know they have a game. Is it Thursday? They have yeah. a game. So, yeah. all, albeit a fact that they. You know, we're reduced to nine men. They have absentees. But if they get the result that they need, they can come and play in the kind of free spirit manner we saw from Newcastle tonight. They were almost having that sort of celebration in front of their own fans that they're looking yeah. forward to next season. I mean, if anything, it was probably the worst opposition we could have. A team with quality that had nothing to play for and a crowd behind them. But, you, you know, you've got to play it as it's dealt yeah, sure. I think uh, Josh is going to leave us. He's probably you're probably desperate to get into your room, have a. Well, look. I'm going to Benji and Nari. We decided we will have a commiserative uh, drink. Is that a word? Might have made that up. Yeah, commiserational. Yeah. Commiserational. I, I think I was looking well. for. I don't know. Uh, drink in the bar here, so I'm going to go and join them for uh, for that and uh, drown our sorrows for the next. Uh, you know hour or so I suspect yeah I'm incredibly deflated I yeah like everyone who, who sort of traveled up I mean it's you know it's the furthest away trip you can you can do I remember being here for the four all when we were four nil up and mm. uh this this feels worse somehow because of of what it sort of has on the long you know the impact and uh yeah I was getting ahead of ourselves you know thinking about Champions League nights and and what it would be to be back amongst the, the so-called European elite. But look, you know, as I said before, it's some progress. It's, um, you know, it's fifth. And uh, I think if we probably in the cold light of day look at the squad we've got, the players we've got, it, it's probably still a, a slight overachievement or certainly around where where most people would house finishing. So we... Uh, we move on, Boyd. But um, look, we'll, we we'll we'll hope for a miracle. Uh, whatever Alan said, twelve to one plus one to two on. So yeah. we need a we need a miracle Sunday. And uh, I imagine what will happen is knows. Norwich will go one nil up. Yes, and, and, and we'll just lose the game. And uh, or, yeah, or, or, that would be horrible. But yeah. I am gonna. I'll leave a second half of the podcast to the two of okay. you. Okay, I wanted Thanks, to jump Josh. on. And, yeah, uh, well done for jumping on. For Thanks live. for sharing the therapy. Thanks, Jenny Batby. Yeah. Good live podcast action, Josh. Have a good well, have not have a good night. Have have a good drowning of sorrows, really. Um, after that, we'll take a quick break and we'll be back to um, wallow in this misery for a few more desperate minutes. We'll be back after this. And we're back. Um, 
how do you see? I guess yeah, looking at the, looking at the bigger picture of the season, and you know, assuming actually, I think it's you know, Jamie Red, Jamie Carragher, that uh, Dave, what's his name, was hosting the Sky coverage, and he was like, you know, trying to. Well, there's still you know, there's still Sunday's games to go. Jamie Carragher was like, don't be stupid. There's no way. There's no way Arsenal are going to make it in any way, which is which is obviously yeah. True. I mean, I'm actually surprised at that Norwich price. I just can't see. Yeah, that's how, weird, isn't it? A relegated team. Yeah. Can. can pull it out. I mean, there's maybe Tottenham nerves built into that if they do wobble at any stage of the game, but they only have to draw anyway. Right. Again, team that have been pathetic all season. So, yeah. I mean, they could not have a, an easier team to play, could they? In, on, well, you know, just yeah. a home game against Norwich is, yeah, right. maybe home, the, the other home. thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but you're right. It, 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 it couldn't really be easier. I suppose Watford have also down tools a little bit as well, so maybe yeah. Watford... But, you know, Watford would be set up to frustrate and in a Hodgson manner, whereas I think Norwich have sort of given up the ghost a little bit. And um, I just, I, I don't even want to think that it's possible. I mean, even no, with know. to go on Sunday, even if it's going our way, I still can't see how Tottenham don't, don't pull it out of the fire. Um, but... We don't only yeah, have our to blame. It has been in our hands. It's been in our hands more than this in terms of, as I said, the, the, the prices that we've been, the percentage chance of this occurring. Even if we'd stayed on a similar trajectory, just on the expected points rather than any kind of, you know, betting or or odds. You know, the expected points trajectory had us right up there, um, and and securing fourth by by some margin at one stage. And the underperformance, and you're going to have to point to that that three game run yeah. uh, of Southampton, Brighton, and Crystal Palace, and say that to take zero from nine there is the thing that's got us into this situation. Not the two great wins afterwards, not the fumbling against the likes of Leeds when, you know, they were down to 10 men and, and creeping over the line. Not the poor performance at Tottenham because, you know, Derby football is difficult and they made it difficult for us there and it was a poor performance tonight. But there, I think there are other points of the season that you could, you could certainly drag in to explain yeah. what's gone on and explain our finishing position. And now, you know, the bottom line is... Uh, out, we knew we had a thin squad, one of the thinnest squad, the thinnest squad of the kind of contenders. And I don't want to go back about the, the January transfers, but we knew then we were weakening an already thin squad, you know, whichever way you look at it. And then we've got injuries. Then we've got injuries, you know, as well. Let's not forget party, tyranny, etc. And now we've ended up. You you can't. I mean, when you, I just think it would have been a miracle. It would have been an amazing miracle in a way. This is the way I feel about it now. Trying to make myself better to some extent, but to get you know to play this last this last section of the season with El Nenny. You know, let's face it. You know, everyone's going. I'll give a new contract, but come on, it's El Nenny. You know, he's never been anything more than a average player, is he? And well, this is it. This. Yeah. I mean, I think I think this is what you're touching on. But I was about to store this, this one up for the second half. And I, I, I'm going to quote Roy Keane here because, uh, I mean, obviously he gets a lot of stick for doing, for saying the, 
They were just doing their jobs. But a lot of the time this season, we have overly praised players when in reality, a 7 out of 10 performance from them in a certain role, in a slightly easier game, was just them doing their jobs. Yeah, I agree with that. And when you say El Nenny had a fantastic game against Manchester United or he had a fantastic game against Chelsea, I forget which of the two people said he played well, and possibly both um, because of Partey's injury uh, at, at Crystal Palace. But then you go back to Thomas Partey. And I also think he had lots of seven out of tens earlier in the season that were described as eights and nines. And when you see these players regress, you then suddenly think that, well, actually, no, 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 I've definitely seen them play eight or nine out of ten. So my eyes must be wrong for this one. It's because you've overly inflated their performances in those previous games that you then see a massive gap. And I think we've been doing it for a decade's worth of of, of players in this squad. And, and and I get a lot of stick for coming on and redressing the balance on people, on, on players. But someone like Tommy Asu has been massively praised this season. Massively. Far too much. Far too much. I saw in his first game that he used to run under the ball and, and charge into tackles. He did it tonight. He got caught out in the first five minutes tonight because he runs at the ball rather than trying to win it in the air. And the first thing you're taught when you defend is not to let it bounce. And I'm pretty sure anyone listening to this will then send me stats saying he's been dribbled past the least out of any uh, uh, defender this season or fallback this season. But in reality, he has bad games in him. And that has been shown tonight. And someone like El Nenny performing seven or eight out of ten, you know he's going to regress to the mean and have a, uh, have a four or five like he does tonight. We've got the evidence of years and years of supporting this club and knowing this squad inside out. Mm. And why are we suddenly expecting anything different? Why are we suddenly expecting that? There are certain players that I'll give excuses to. Saka's been running to the ground. He had a, what I would call a quiet game tonight. I think he cut inside reasonably well. He had what you would call a six out of ten and might be... He was our out. only He was our only outlet in the first half, I think. Yes. You know, yeah. But yeah. But when you're asking him to do it all on his own. Yeah. yeah. The fact that he's had a long season plus the Euros plus another long season tacked onto that. When were we going to give him a rest? When were we going to say to him, you know... We, we value him as a player and, and we're looking long-term. We we relied on him too much. I think Emil Smith-Rowe looked burnt out when he came off tonight. He looked completely burnt out and out of sorts. So even our... Odegaard, Odegaard looked, I thought, incredibly lightweight. I mean, he just had the ball taken off him. He is, Boyd. That's yeah. the thing. He is. There's yeah. a reason Real Madrid don't want him. And all these people that say he's a Rolls-Royce of a player because... You know, he, he skipped over a couple of Leeds players when they were down to 10 men. I hate that. I hate that. I mean, people want to praise players and they want to get behind our team. And I get that. Why bother going to the stadium if you don't? But to come and sort of type on Twitter that you think he's a Rolls Royce of a player when he clearly isn't and he clearly has huge flaws and any physical midfield can get on top of him. And, and our midfield were completely overrun and he didn't have any answers at all tonight. The ball kept coming back to our defence. It kept coming back to Ramsdale. He then tried to bypass the midfield, playing it up to a young striker on his own in Ketia, who, in my mind, is championship level. 
possibly League One. And there you go. There's your answer. It's all there. It's all been said before. This shouldn't be news to us. But it all occurred on the same night, and now it looks even worse than it probably is. And people might say I'm overreacting. It's certainly not as bad as I'm saying, but it certainly is in that ballpark. And we need to get we need to get straight with that. We cannot overpraise these players because they will eventually let you down. That's where we are at the moment. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Apparently, Xhaka said tonight in the post-match interview that we didn't follow the game plan. If you don't want to do that, you shouldn't be on the pitch. You should stay at home, apparently, he said that. So, but it was a bit of needle between the players. I don't know if you saw that yeah, tonight. I saw Gabriel, that, yeah, yeah. Gabriel called out Odegaard for um, a couple of, yeah, you know, lightweight um, turns when he had when he had his back to back to the Newcastle goal. Mm. He maybe could have relied on the defence a bit more. He tried to, the, sort of the Hollywood style turn and and was getting swept up by more intelligent midfielders or more physical midfielders. And I know Gabriel had a go at him because one of those resulted in a corner, and we cer- certainly had we had a better percentage chance of progressing the ball up the pitch, and it suddenly came back. And Newcastle won a corner because we didn't hold on to it or we held on to it in, in the wrong areas. So there was a bit of needle between the players. And I guess that's what Xhaka is referring to. I wonder who else he means. Yeah, who, God knows. Yeah, I don't know. Um, apparently, everyone's very confused about the interview. Yeah, that's, that's 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 the word. He's vexed. Lots of people say, what is he talking about? Um, I mean, that, he's just, you know, that's kind of Xhaka, isn't it? A kind of slightly weird and unpredictable off the pitch is what it's on. Do you think yeah. um, the fact that, I mean, I agree with what you're saying about, I mean, I, you know, I agree with what you're saying generally about the players. I think Tommy, Tommy Yasu, I think part of the reason why we go so over the, so we're so fond of Tommy Yasu already is that he's so much better than other options. And he, and he was like, you know, at fullback, fullback, we've had so many problems at fullback. Do you know what I mean? Like, it feels like, We've got something there in Tomiyasu, you know, whereas Tavares is a fucking maverick who can, you know, who fuck knows what's going on with him. It's just, yeah. it's just, it's almost like a relief that there's something there. You know, I think he's, that's why he's a bit of a cult hero already. But just overall, I'm in two minds. Like, I don't know whether, you know, whether Arteta deserves credit for the fact that he has got this far with such a small, weakened squad with injuries or the fact that when it when you kind of look at the micro the real detail like this game i completely agree with you when he took off tavares who was starting to play really well and create stuff and he made i thought he made, he's just but just an example his substitutions tonight were completely like panicky and over the all of that it did not instill any kind of confidence in the team so it's like almost like i don't know which way i feel about him really whether He's partly responsible for the fact that we didn't, in the end, get fourth, obviously. But also, he has done really well. We has, he's definitely improved us since last season. Fifth is an improvement, you know, as you say, on, on pitch performances. The way we play is much more attractive and all of that. It's a real conundrum, isn't it? I, I certainly feel like giving him that new contract was a bit premature, though. Yeah, I mean, that was just utterly ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous. Um, that, was, that was a PR stunt. And yeah, we've we've deservedly been made to look stupid with it. You don't you don't do things like that. You don't, you definitely don't do things like that. Um, and it, it obviously probably wasn't even his idea. So he's been railroaded into that by the club, and it's done him no favors. But look, something else has done him no favors. The fact is, we've lost more than a third 
of our Premier League matches in the last two seasons. More yeah. than a third. Now, that is on him. The fact that I can give you positive results where you can point to his mismanagement as well. And I actually think the Leeds game told us far more about our manager when we actually won a game 2-1 than, than maybe even tonight told us or, or the North London derby. And in my mind, he was outmanaged by, by Jesse Marsh, who doesn't get the greatest of credit for being a, a high-class manager. But as soon as the red card came, as soon as the managers had to make decisions in that game and had to alter things, our manager was left wanting. And that was the time to go for the jugular. It was time to improve our goal difference. And the ball boys, I noticed, were still on the go-slow um, instructions. Even when, even when leads were down to 10, they were still on the go-slow instructions because they sent someone round to tell the ball boys what, what the instruction is. They have sort of three or four speeds. And we were still on the go-slow with the ball boys at 2-0. Uh, they weren't giving the ball back quick to the opposition. They were slowing stuff down. They weren't even giving the ball back quick to Ra Ramsdale when he was asking for it. Um, and, and Ramsdale was slowing down his kicks. We were slowing down our restarts. And in my mind, that was the time for Arteta to be positive, saying, look, you're already 2-0 up against this yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. Get some confidence. They're a poor team. We know that they crumble. Uh, let's get into them. And Marsh mm. made the great positive decision and the remainder of the game obviously they won that one nil and i think that told us far more my cat's trying to get involved in the in the fair enough no. what's your cat called aj aj yes of anti joshua no yeah. he's got a sister called meadow as well okay. there you go surprise okay. El Albino's put some brilliant stats out. I'm just going to read a couple. You'll well, love this. before the game, he was tempting fate, wasn't he? Newcastle yeah. scored in... I know. <laughs> I know. But uh, listen to this. You'll love this. This is actually retweeted from whoscored.com. Arsenal responsible for 25% of the foul throws in the Premier League this season. 25% of the foul throws. Nuno Tabares <laughs> has committed more than any other player in the division. Three. Oh, my God. That is incredible underlining what you said earlier. Also, just a couple more. Arsenal have lost 13 games in the Premier League this season, the joint most in any 38-game Premier League season. We've conceded 47 goals, the fifth-worst tally in a 38-game Premier League season, and we've still got one game to go. It's very confusing, isn't it? It's very confusing to um, kind of see how well, how, actually, how well have we done, especially when you think about the no European games. Again, you know, like... This was such a massive opportunity. Gary Neville said it. I think he's right. Like That's why it feels so devastating. Yes, on the one hand, it would have been overachieving and no one expected us to get in the top four. But when then for like a third to a half of the season, it's there for you in your grasp and you don't get it. And then you think we've got to play Sunday, Thursday, Sunday next season and we've got a thin squad. How much, how much are they really going to pay? How much are they really going to invest? We need like five new players again don't we so it's just really difficult to uh, for, uh, you know to, to, to labor the point of how well Arteta's done I'll say one thing I'll, I'll kind of almost wind wind up to this I, I, I always say this when we were back in the in the depths of the Arteta late period you know and we we're all 
arguing on podcasts and everything. The atmosphere was terrible. And we have connected. That connection between the fans and the players is definitely there due to the young players that, that he, to be fair, you know, has given a go to. And I know, you know, Smith Rowe, for example, was almost accidental, but at least he has become a regular and Saka and Odegaard, these young players who are very promising. And we have at least right till literally the last game of the season, we're competing you know, for this huge prize of a top four position of a Champions League, which we haven't been doing the last few seasons. And that has been tedious, you know, when you... Our, our last few seasons have petered out into nothing. And all I ever wanted, personally, from the end of the of the, of the the um, Arsene Wenger period was that we have these exciting, you know, these exciting... We, we're there competing for most of the season. And we have had that this year. So, you know... Just to say again, I think I'm kind of think I kind of slightly I feel sorry for for him a little bit, Arteta. I think he's also been unlucky, but he's obviously deeply flawed. <laughs> That's I guess yeah, the absolutely, absolutely. Look, if uh, I think I think if you if you pulled aside any Arsenal fan now that was being honest and that, and they had been paying attention to what's been happening at the club in the last decade, if you said to them, "Here's a blank sheet of paper on one side, I want you to write ten bad things about Arteta. On the other, I want you to write 10 good. I think you could flow both sides. I think you really could. You could come up with 10 mm. really good things that he's done. You could yeah. come up with 10 quite bad things. Now, going forward into next season, seeing as he is signed up as manager, it's however many of those bad things he can put right without affecting the things on the other side of the page. And I really think that just sums up where we are with this manager at the moment. It's as simple as that. He yeah. has done good things. I think yeah. he's done a lot of the heavy lifting behind the scenes of what was a stinkingly bad culture, a bad pool of players. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, if you've got your Alan Alger footballistic, the Arsenal bingo card, then um, I'm about to say it now very late on, but you mentioned his name first. But, you know, the latter Wenger period did foster this culture of it doesn't matter if you take a foul throw. It doesn't really matter if you say you're sick and you don't want to turn up to a game. It doesn't really matter if we turn it in against the easy opposition away from home. There'll always be another game next week. And, you know, you get you get you eventually pay for things like that, especially if you haven't got the top class players and, and Arteta sorting those things out has coincided with having a very young squad that are going to be inconsistent. So the most positive thing you can say going forward is that he eradicates those 10 bad things we've put on one side of the paper because these players get older, they get better they get calmer in situations. He realises that he's not learning on the job as much next season and a little bit less the season after that if he stays for two more seasons. And we don't get to see him make his mistakes live and in public like tonight. And that's the big risk when you take a manager that hasn't managed in the Premier League before. I know he's sat next to Pep Guardiola for many, many games and Pep is one of the, the greatest managers in the game. But the decisions aren't on him when he's an assistant manager. So we've had to see him be a manager for the first time in his career 
which means all of those mistakes. And he'll think about all the little substitutions he's made or lack of reactions he made against Leeds. And as long as he keeps tweaking those and making sure that they're correct, I'm sure the club will stand by him. Um, And that's about the most positive way I can sign off from this and say that as long as he doesn't repeat any of these mistakes next season, we might be in a better place. Yeah, I worry that I agree with that. I, I worry that he the whole the whole um Pep thing. I think like he feels is like you know, he's like a Pep Junior, but without the players. You know, we've only got like a handful of players who are even vaguely suitable to, you know, to get into the Man City team, you know, at most. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got a load of fairly mediocre players, and he kind of sometimes tactically and psychologically deals with them as if they are world-class. And I'm not sure whether that's ever going to work. I, mean, I, I can see it, you know, I don't know. I wonder whether, you know, another manager, I mean, it's ridiculous to say, because, you know, unless we have a disastrous start to the new season, it's not going to happen. But, you know, um, it's a very interesting conundrum we're in. That's all, I'm, that, that's all I think. But, well, you know, go on. Do you know, I, I, I made a point uh, to Rush Yershin, who's sometimes been on this pod, and I've seen him at a few matches yeah. lately. And we were talking about three things. Uh, non-league football, which we talk about quite a lot because we go down to Boreham Wood quite a lot. And Boreham Wood were playing Wrexham. And it was the week of the council elections. And it was also the week of Arsenal winning two games that they hadn't expected. And I said to him, I said that there's there's three teams in red here, Labour, Arsenal and Wrexham. <laughs> they both might achieve their goals of promotion from the National League for Wrexham general election victory for Labour at the next general election, and Arsenal might get top four this season. But I had a feeling that week that all three of them should have changed their leader after achieving that for the progression of each of the three organisations. I know Keir Starmer was a big friend of the show. <laughs> yeah, well, he was on one podcast. What I, meant by that is, what I meant by that is that all three of those could achieve the results that they needed for the for the organizations that they were managing or in charge of but you won't see it play out alternatively and show that another manager might actually be able to take that success onto a different level or be much better or get better results and you won't see that play out but I think with Arteta if he had got top four the flaws that we've seen tonight would have still been there Mm. you know we still might fluke the games at the weekend and I know it's looking like a, a 20 to one shot that uh, we win and, and Norwich win um, if you add the accumulator together. But even if we do that, all of these problems still remain. Yeah, right. As do we you go think... into the Champions League. Yeah. Let, that, let's, that, yeah. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, is yeah. That, you know, yeah. We might need to change manager if you feel that the floors aren't going to be right. to side. Right. If I said now Eddie Howe, what would, you, would, you, would you prefer Eddie Howe to be given a go? Do you know what? I'm not. I'm, I don't think he looks like an Arsenal manager to me, and I think he'll. I think he'll. As soon as the pressure comes on top next season, I think he'll. Um, he'll be seen in a more honest light than the fact that obviously he's had a bit to spend. There are far worse teams in the Premier League, and he's managed to edge Newcastle, albeit with great form since he arrived, into a position now with no pressure. He's going to have pressure next season and he's going to have pressure from um, owners that have spent a lot of money. And I, I feel that it, it might 
come on top for him when it start, when he starts to feel that pressure. You know, they lost. You know, everyone thought that they had a chance of the FA Cup because the money was down, the money was spent. They played Cambridge at home and lost under him. So their they're, they're one pressure game they've had under him when <laughs> there was a chance of silverware, they lost to a team from League One. So let's, I don't think we need to get carried away with him. Fine. Good. Fair enough. Um, thanks, Alan. Um, I think it's time. We, we all got lost prediction to go of the, uh, how can we, how can I forget? Um, what do you think the score is going to be in the Arsenal Everton game on Sunday? Well, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I've got to say, so that, that, so there wasn't a pod between Tottenham and this game. Is no, right? I know we failed. Yeah, we absolutely failed. Yeah, about the least amount of review than than any game all season, which is probably good, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. We just um, had to draw a veil over that. Yeah. yeah, no, that's good. That's good to hear. Uh, Everton, look, um, uh, they're down to the what Harry Redknapp would say was the bare bones. Although playing on Thursday might sneak them over the line in their survival fight um, albeit with players that are creaking I just don't see how we lose unless there's news of three or four early Tottenham goals and we really turn it in because we've heard that it's pointless anyway um, I still think we should edge edge them out maybe maybe a 1-0 quite bland atmosphere and bland Lap of appreciation. Yeah, <laughs> I'm already dreading it. Oh God, it is, it is painful, isn't it? Yeah, it's just gonna be so flat. Yeah, it's like we're trudging to the stadium disconsolately. Um, one or two nil. Yeah, one or two nil. I think I think it could well be a draw. Actually, I think my my head says you know I could just imagine it being even more. Just the ultimate damp, damp squib of damp squibs. It really is. It really yeah. is. Say, especially if we get if we get news through that. Yeah, that Tottenham have gone two or three streaking into the lead, then um, that second half will be pretty flat indeed. Yeah, on that, on that <laughs> positive note, <laughs> delightful positive note. Thanks, Alan. Um, what can we say? I mean, fair enough, though. Yeah, um, uh, it's been a sad, sad night. Um, but this is me trying to end positively. At least we are competing to the last day of the season for a Champions League place. Um, yeah. Who knows? Who the fuck? I mean, if, it, it could be the most extraordinary night in the history of football, day in the history of football, if something like that happens. Anyway, thanks, Alan. Um, Cheers. We'll be back, uh, I guess, for our final part of the season after the, uh, after the game on Sunday. Cheers. Bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.